welcome to the Reggae Pod Clash, where man like Devin, that's me, and Reggae Raj talk all things reggae. In episode 15, we are joined by our good friend, Mr. Josh Heinrichs. Yo, yo, what's up, Devin? Hey, Roger. Hello, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing out there in Streamland? My name is Roger Revis. <laughs> We're good. We're good here. In... That's the voice I, of Streamland, by the that's way. That's the voice of Streamland. Yeah. yeah. They're, they, they'll mature someday. They got small voices. They'll be bigger. Yeah. Um, I'm Roger Revis, and that's Man Like Devin over there in... Uh, from Venice, California, right? Is that where we're at? Yes, right now? that's that's where uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, right. Where are you at, by the way? This is Porter Ranch, California. It's Northridge, but people say Porter Ranch because it's like a fancy way of saying Porter Ranch. But that's no, right. But when you hear Porter Ranch, it just sounds like a dressing that you would put on a steak or something. You know, like <laughs> doesn't it? You know? it totally does. So it's, it's like, like what uh, are those things? Yeah, let me get... What would you like for your steak? Let me get some of that Porter Ranch. Please, yeah. yeah. Can I get a little side of that Porter Ranch? Exactly. It's Northern Northridge. We're not fooling anyone. It's Northern Northridge. Yeah. And it's that's... The, I mean, dang, that's North because Northridge is North. Anyway, enough uh, regional Los Angeles <laughs> geography. Yes. Okay? Um, because today we have a very special guest on the show. Uh, our good friend Josh Heinrichs is here. Yeah. Anybody who knows anything about reggae... Um, especially reggae in the American scene in the last 20 years, knows Josh Heinrichs. He's one of the great uh, voices uh, in the American reggae scene and um, all-around great dude, anti-racist activist out in Missouri, uh, one of my favorite musicians and just a great dude. And he's on the yeah. show today. Um, and I know people want to talk to him and ask him some questions. So why don't we quickly get to our first part of the show which let's is jump in record of the, the week. week yes that's it record of the week you know me and Devin have a lot of cool records we want to share with you guys and this week my record is a song called give thanks by the lyrics um yeah check it out people we'll talk about it in a bit okay here it is give thanks by the lyrics Your God and King, and only good things in your life. 
Yes, that's a nice little bouncy tune. Ooh, I, I would use nice. bouncy to describe it. You know what I mean? Sometimes I said chugger. Sometimes we use different words to describe, and that one just kind of bounces. It's like a nice. That's a bouncer. It's a bouncer. It's a nice, safe, skinhead reggae typeish tune. You know, right. I feel like, you know, when, when the skinhead reggae thing was really just first starting, and we'll keep as far as the characteristics of the song and within Jamaica. So I'm not talking about the UK kind of stuff, but with Jamaica. You could tell like it was a little more rough around the edges and it was like I thought it was cooler and then it kind of morphed into this whole like I think another tune for, as that's a good example is like Bob Andy and Marcia Griffiths like Young Gifted and Black like it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's, it's it's got the characteristics of what people would call you know 1969 reggae but it's like safer it's almost like a um more produced I don't know You're saying but, the 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 other not not this tune but the its counterparts Right. Well, yeah, this tune, no, this tune is uh, what I'm talking about, like the oh, definition okay. of like a safer... A sa- oh, I see, I see. You know, like a safer... I, that's the best way I could describe it. Kind of more production, mm-hmm. less ad-libbing, I think, on like the you know the keys part. I mean, the keyboard player has a line and everything, but I think it's just less gritty, you know? So is that is that a JA recording? Because I know like there was, uh, in that era, there was some stuff like being recorded actually in the UK, right? Yes. No, yeah, that was a JA recording. Okay. Um, that actually the the people that were in the band believe it or not is a uh, fred locks was the singer oh wow and yeah you know people that are familiar with fred locks or not you know he's best known he's got a mid-70s single called black star liners mm-hmm. i think that's his biggest hit yeah um but a lot of the lyric stuff was recorded believe it or not uh like in the six, late 60s with coxon so they had tunes like um a get it girls like dirt uh, a couple others. They right. weren't a big band. They were one of those bands were like, oh, yeah, I've heard of them if you're a record collector. That tune right there that you played, I'm just going to go ahead and say that's probably, on the top of my head, like maybe the first one you've played so far that I've never, never heard that song before. I've heard, oh, what? I've heard the other lyrics one you mentioned, uh, Girls Like Dirt. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they've got some others. I never heard that one. That's a really, really nice one. Yeah, it's really cool. Like when I first heard it, I was like, all right, let me buy this. And it was it was up there for a good price. So I was like, yeah, I got to get this. Cause, and it's cool because the actual label looks like that. Like it's just a Chappie label. Chappie is dope. Chappie has some really, really good. Uh, right. Like I've got some like Ethiopians on, on Chappie and a couple other tunes. Totally. And it'll surprise you because, you, you know, being a record collector, when you see a certain label, you got to entertain it because you know, oh, okay. It just kind of triggers something in your head. Like mm-hmm. those are heavy hits are on that label. And then there's some labels that'll just fool you. Like a good example is Torpedo. Um, it's a UK right. label. It's a you know skinny regular label, mm-hmm. and there are some really heavy tunes. But then there's some <laughs> real lame lame tunes. Yeah. So the consistency <laughs> that the label had, you know, it's not one of those that you just pick up any tune on the label. You have torpedoes. To what it's like red, right? It's red. That's uh, green. Like a, you know, they they oh, have green and they red have green. I mean, red red. You want to split hairs? Throw gold in there. Yeah, uh, it's a green label, but they, I think they have like a couple that are like. Uh, dark bluish, okay. like you know. What am I thinking of the red one? Is that Bullet? Is there a label called Bullet? Bullet, yeah. Bullet. It's got like a bullet one. and it's red. Uh huh. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. And Bullet's a good one. See, I mean, yeah. a lot of those UK subsidiary labels are they're pretty safe to to go ahead and grab a copy because you know something's going to be cool on it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, with the Chappie label, if it's there, get it. You <laughs> yeah. know, I, I'm a big fan of the Chappie label. Um. But yeah, Fred Locks is a I was a real trip to find that out that he was the singer of that band. Um I guess the story goes that later they released the band the lyrics released a song called Sing Along in 1971 on their own label. So that band tried to start their own label called the Lyric Label, believe it or not. I didn't see it. I just I'm just, you know, researching mm. online. 
And I guess Fred Locks was like, I ain't having the money part of, you know, business. And he kind of got like discouraged or whatever. So he was just, he went and started, you know, lived on the beach at Har Harbor View and got into the Rastafarian faith and then, you know, wrote, uh, you know, Black Star Liner. So it was cool. I, I didn't, I've never heard of the lyrics um, prior to like, I don't know, a couple years ago, really. So I, I had them like, I think girls like dirt and there's another tune that I can't think of right now. That's like, I don't know. I can't think of it, but I'm pretty sure Chuck Foster used to play it on the radio. It was like a regular for him. One of those tunes that every few months you'd hear him play, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but that one is really nice. I never heard it. Yeah. It is bouncy. Right about it's that. It's bouncy. It's another and, one that you might not play like, you know. right, right. <laughs> and do you know anything? I'm just looking at your notes here. Do you know anything yeah, about Albert Tomlinson and Delmar Campbell? So as always, when I see these names, right, I got to look up. Dude, those are like such awesome Jamaican names, first of all. Dude, like, yes. If you just said those names, I'd be like, oh, those are some Jamaican dudes. So Albert did have like one or two songs on the Giant label. You know that there's a label called Giant. It's like yellow mm -hmm. and red. And that was it. I mean, DeMar, that was, <laughs> this was his band and that was that. I don't know what he went on to do, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah. There's no, uh, there's, there's no Delmar. Stafford Elliott definitely went on to to you know make some hits right so what do you got what do you got brewing what's your tune okay well today i've got yet another attack label i don't do this on purpose i just guess i like a lot of attack label tunes um this one is a by a group called thunderball which as far as i know is a one-off group um and this tune is called white bird come down and there's lots of things I love about this song. It's a, it's a beautiful tune. We'll talk about it after we listen to it. But just everyone, see if you could pay attention to the lyrics. It's just like a mysterious song to me. He's telling a story. And if you know, for all the people out there who don't have trouble understanding uh, Jamaican Patois, you know, listen to the lyrics and just try to follow along with the story. And we'll talk about it on the flip side. So here we go. Thunderball, White Bird, Come Down.
Yes, so that is White Bird Calm Down by Thunderball. Um, so first of all, I mean, you heard it, Raj, yeah. I'm sure, that beautiful piano, mm-hmm. uh, just really, really nice piano and guitar work on that tune, um, especially on the intro, and then in the middle, the little piano stuff. Um, but like the lyrics of that song are really, every time, like, so maybe, I, you know, I'll put this caveat, It could oftentimes I'm like, I hear some story they're talking about in reggae and i'm like whoa that's so crazy that's so mysterious and then someone's like no it's just like a bible verse and i'm like okay well ah so this you know it could be like (laughs) maybe it's out of the bible and i don't know right but like let's just assume it's not for the Mm -hmm. sake of making my argument interesting um (laughs) you know he's saying the lyrics is he's saying like when he was a this isn't word for word right but like he was a young man in the valley and he used to see blackbirds um mixing with the cows right Mm-hmm. and watching the cattle feed and then when he, he grows up and he happens to be passing through the same valley and he notices something strange that there's no more black birds it's all the it's all white birds uh. and and so he says white birds come down take the place of the black bird so i said black man look up the table is turned so at first you know it's it's like the metaphors seem kind of obvious, right? It's like, okay, the, mm-hmm. the black, the black birds were replaced by the white birds. You know, we can assume we know what that, what he's trying to say with that. But then adding, you know, I said, black man, look up, the table is turned. It makes it seem to me like he's saying the fact that the white birds came down and took the place of the black bird is like a symbol of the tables turning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like mysterious to me. It's like, what, what, what actually is, uh, is he, uh, is he saying that this is a symbol of, you know, is it like that, that things are changing for the better? Things are, you know, like the, the tables are going to turn now. Because usually you, you use the, the phrase like the tables are going to turn, meaning like things are going to get better, right? Right. So it's just like, it's just always, I, I still can never figure that song out, right? You think that it, it, the lyrics would be the opposite, you know, that, that things are going to get better because the blackbirds took the place of the whitebirds. Right. He's saying the opposite, and so it's just like always been a mysterious tune to me, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, when I hear the tables have turned, it could be have a negative connotation as well, I feel. It doesn't always have to lead to a positive thing. Um, it's kind of poetic, and the way I took that line was, you know, there's the analogy of the birds, but as soon as he says black man, then it's, it's like he's like, all right, there's no question about it. It's not an analogy. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is exactly what I'm addressing. And the tables have turned. Um, and yeah, it could mean so much, right? Like, you know, the blackbirds were taken over by the white bird. I mean, you know, and to what is he really trying to say with that? Like, what is it just a broad statement or is it something in particular in Jamaica that pertains to Jamaica, you know? Um, yeah, I have yeah. lots of lots of thoughts about it. It's But it's just like, it's such a beautiful song. I love like even just like the imagery of him, like coming back to the valley as an older man and seeing... Mm-hmm like the same birds but now it's i mean like seeing the same scenery but now it's different birds and right. and then like like i said it's just like the band is killing it attack label stuff is just i'm not picking these this is probably like the third attack seven inch i've picked on the show so far and i'm not even doing that on purpose right just <laughs> just they just <laughs> released some killers i love you know 1976 around there is like my favorite era in jamaican music and 
they just released some crazy stuff. Um, some someone told me that uh, Morrissey bought the Attack label. What? So yeah, no, no lie. So this is something that, um, <laughs> and this is, and I, I want to say this is completely true. Uh, if anybody out there knows anything about it, please chime in on the chat section. But something <laughs> along the lines of, okay, you know, these record labels. Granted that they're not active anymore. I'm sure that there's still legalities, you know. So over the years, maybe Attack the subsidiary was. I don't know the rights to it, maybe. I don't know the specifics, but I did hear that Morrissey bought the... Okay. The, 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 owns the Attack label, I guess. I think Attack was a subsidiary of Trojan. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all right, but now it's a subsidiary of uh, Morrissey, I guess. Release some Morrissey tunes on it, I guess. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. You're going to start... You know how, like, Coxon in, the, in like, the 80s would start to reissue, like, his early 70s? <laughs> yeah, with the drums? Know? Yeah, and there'd be, like, yeah. weird drums or, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. Burning Spears' first albums like that. You're going right. to hear, like, Morrissey start to reissue some of these tunes, and then just suddenly, like, Morrissey's on the, like, you're like, is that Morrissey? Is that, Mor- is that Morrissey? Thunderball? <laughs> and he's like, I was a big Thunderball fan. That's my best Morrissey. <laughs> that's pretty good. No, it's not name? bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Let's talk about that name Thunderball, right? That's pretty, that's crazy, too. I know, is not it? like the Thunderballs. Right, just Thunderball. <laughs> just Thunderball. Like, all right. <laughs> wow. There's a story <laughs> with that. That's a trip right there. And I just, dude, again, like, I'll just keep saying this. Mm-hmm. And you get, like, a one offering. I don't know, maybe they have another song or two or something. Right. And it's so good that, you know, like when I first got into reggae and I would hear an obscure tune like that, I'd be like, oh my God, Thunderball. I got to right. go find all their albums because they're going to be great. And then you go research it and you're like, no, there's no, there's no Thunderball album. Nah. There's not even one album. There's not even any other songs. That's it. They That's just it. came down, murdered one song as if like they were going to take over the whole scene mm-hmm. and then just never recorded another song. Like it's, and Jamaican music is full of that kind of thing. It's crazy. Oh yeah. You know? So that's like one of those. It's like. If I had been the producer and I heard that, I'd be like, dude, you guys got to make an album. You know, where? let me hear the rest of your songs. But no, they... No. Nope. <laughs> and, you know, Clinton Farron, when we had him on, he talked a little bit about that, right? It's just like, it was so hard, even if you had talent to... And we, you know, as musicians, we can identify with this today. It's not much different. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you might you might be dope, but for whatever reason, if your song didn't hit, it's like, you don't have the... Especially if you came from the country, you know, trying to make it, you know down in Kingston in the music industry and it didn't work out quickly, then what are you going to do? You know, it's like, you got to go right. back to the country and start farming again. And that's it. The you know, reality. You're be, yeah. You're not going to sometimes we, we don't think about that. You know, we think right. oh, everything's just all nice and dandy and they're coming in and recording. Nah, this was a different, it was a different perspective. It was like, you know, this was, they were doing this to get out of the struggles and everything. If they had exactly. a voice, if they can write music. And I think that's a testament to the actual songs too, you know, cause if oh, you, sure are banking you can't afford to to come in with a weak tune or give a half-assed performance you know and nowadays anybody can record a million songs in their garage you know so it was not in thunderball's day not in thunderball's day man you had to come down to the studio and that's it that derek richardson in the comments says how do you guys find these rare obscure tunes well you know roger and i have been listening to you know beyond listening just like our whole lives have been reggae for you know at least 20 years now and um just lots of avenues um radio shows uh friends who would make us tapes in the 90s um and then you just start collecting and you find out where good places to go and and buy records or good people to talk to who know different records and you just you know over the years it's just being a record collector it's like anything you might be into collecting whatever it may be you know Right, if you if you love it and you're into it and you have an interest, um, 
you know, I've been fortunate to tour Europe many times with the AgriLights. So every time I go to Europe, uh, especially like the UK, you know, be able to find time to walk around and, and buy records at all the shops there. It's a totally different story than it is over here in Los Angeles. You can't do that. You're not right. even going to get lucky and find some reggae tune. Over there, you can dig and get lucky and find some really cool tunes. So sometimes you find tunes that you know. You look at the label and you recognize the name of the band or the song. And other times, like we talked about earlier, sometimes it's just the label you recognize and you take a chance on it. You know, So that's kind of cool because most of the time... Um, You'll find something that's that's cool that you've this might not even be on YouTube, you know, or be on a comp. It was just on vinyl, and that was that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of tunes like that, a lot. Like if we think there's a lot of Jamaican tunes that are digitized and on comps, there's so many more tunes that are <laughs> yet to be released and yet to be released. This that, this one, this Thunderball tune, there's a dub version of it on Spotify randomly, but it's not on Spotify. It's just on mm. YouTube. Um, so you know, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to do, we'll talk more about this in another episode. We're going to yeah. do an episode soon where Roger and I just do uh, tunes, but we don't want to keep the people waiting anymore because nope. today we have a very special guest joining us um, all the way from Missouri. Yeah. Everybody, please put your digital hands together for yeah. the man called Josh Heinrichs. Josh, yeah. Yeah. Hello. What's up, hey, what's up, <laughs> How you guys doing? Good, good, man. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for awesome. having me. You man, look amazing. Thank you so much for being on. You look amazing. <laughs> the light is just radiating behind you. I love it. It's like you're, you're just in. Heck you're in yeah. reggae heaven. Yeah, yeah. I tried. <laughs> exactly. You succeeded. How, how, how you um, been, man? I mean, how's the weather over there? Where you at? Will you tell the people where you're at? Uh, I'm in Springfield, Missouri, where I was born and raised my whole life. Wow. And uh, the weather, the weather is beautiful. So do you, I'm going to ask a cheesy Springfield question, but like, did you guys, do you guys claim to be the Springfield in the Simpsons? Uh, no, they did like a whole thing on the Simpsons about that, where there was like, they covered all the different Springfields in uh-huh. the United States. And, uh, sometimes they talk about like things that are around here, like Branson, Missouri's by here. And they've re- they've referenced that like, come on, kids, we're going to Branson. Or, <laughs> but wow, they do that for all the Springfields, you know. So they're all inclusive. <laughs> I see, Crazy. yeah, because <laughs> that was a thing on The Simpsons. I remember, like, I stopped watching after the '90s, but they would never say what state it was in. Right, that was like, yeah. the thing. Yeah, well, yep. I believe it's Springfield, Missouri. Whatever right? you say. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. How's the reggae scene in Springfield, Missouri? uh it's it's about me uh, nice <laughs> you yeah. got it down the monopoly's there yeah. <clears throat> yeah right no there's there's a couple other uh acts that um you know are here and there but you know they they uh don't play as frequently as i do so yeah nice does it become a challenge i, I mean i've lived in la my whole life so if playing reggae music there's always kind of a, a pool of musicians for better or for worse, there's always a consistent pool of musicians that are playing reggae. So I would find it challenging. I always thought, like, if I move somewhere else, I mean, just the musicians alone to play with, is there mm-hmm. a nice selection or is it kind of like... Um, there is, luckily, I mean, like I said, I live um, next to Branson, and so yeah, there's a lot of country, bluegrass guys. Sweet. But, you know, I mean, we live in the internet days now, so everybody studies everything, uh, right. especially especially musicians. 
and uh, everybody loves reggae. And uh, so I've been lucky to where I've been able to find guys. Um, I've also uh, joined up with the other reggae bands like that we talked about here in, in the Midwest, you know, in Kansas City and St. Louis. So just kind of try and work with whoever else is on the vibe. <laughs> right. Nice. So like growing up in Springfield, how did you, was there a scene before you at all? Or like, how did you access reggae? Um, Cause I know you're about our age and you know, and like, so, you know, you grew up like there wasn't an internet to, you know, just find all this stuff at the tip of your fingers. And, and so how did you like, were there local reggae bands or like reggae elders in the in Springfield? They're like, <laughs> you're like, nope, nope. No. <laughs> so how did you like access reggae, you know, growing up? Um, well, I got uh, my dad was a musician first of all, mm-hmm. and he uh, had like the police and stuff like that. And uh, it's funny, I never even realized how drawn I was to it until later on. And I was like, man, I really liked that stuff when I was a kid. But uh, uh, I, I just, um, as a teenager, I got into like Rage Against the Machine, and uh, of course, I heard some Bob Marley in high school. But the only Bob Marley I ever heard was that sound saver bob marley you know the old school like 60s bob marley that they sell for five dollars a box set you know mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> so i always heard that and i was like i don't get why everybody loves bob marley i was like this is <laughs> the, the recordings the recordings aren't that good and stuff you know but uh you know of course then i heard when i was like 18 or 19 i started smoking pot and my friends were like dude no this is bob marley and they actually played me like an album a rasta man vibration and uh I, I lost it and I just started buying any kind of thing I could get. And uh, then I found out about the um, order. The, the you, know, you could order like stuff off from reggae magazines. Right, you right. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I tried to just collect everything I could and just order anything I could. And I went what? hardcore. Did you, have, like, did you have like a specific reggae magazine that you like? Um, well, I remember getting the beat. Yeah, and um, Roger, that's the, Roger Steffen. Yeah, Roger, man. Mm-hmm. I, I was. I, I remember finding that. Also, Ben Harper uh, in the in the uh, late '90s really got me um, with jaw work. I don't know if you know that song. Um, no. Okay. Well, Ben Harper kind of like touched reggae just for a second mm-hmm. and uh, okay. burn burn one down and stuff like that. Right, right. With and, my and own I, two hands, right? With my yeah, own two with, hands. That's yeah, a that great tune, out, right? Yeah, that came out a little bit after I was already into reggae. And mm-hmm. so I like really freaked out because I was like, oh shit, he's really doing it. Right. But uh, yeah, no, like just all that stuff kind of like just started pushing me towards reggae and everything. But uh, yeah, when I got the beat and then, uh, dude, funny story, man, is that there's a record store here in Springfield, Missouri. And there was like two or three used CD stores and uh, I would go in there all the time and their reggae section would be like four CDs, you know, like all Bob Marley. <laughs> and, but uh, every time I would just check, just just to check, you know. And uh, a, one time I went in there and there was like five new reggae CDs and they were like all old school, like Al Campbell, like old school roots and stuff. And I was like, what the hell is this? Gladiators. Nice. Yeah. And so I bought them. And then I went back in like a week later and there was more CDs. And I was like, dude, what the hell? So I asked the guy that owned the CD store. I was like, hey, who's bringing in these CDs? And he's like, it's this uh, old guy, you know, he collect. he's a big reggae head here in Springfield. And I was like, what the hell? And I was like, so I gave, I gave him my phone number, the, the CD store. And I said, have him call me if he wants to sell any more CDs. And so the guy called me and he came over and he brought like a giant box of CDs. Anyways, he was a local radio DJ here in Springfield in the 80s and he ran a world beat show. And wow. so he had like all these like early '90s CDs of world beat music and everything. But <clears throat> he gave me the catalogs too to order more mm-hmm. CDs and shit. Yeah, so it was it was pretty cool. That's wow, awesome. nice. that's a great yeah. 
it's a great like organic way to get to to find see so someone asked earlier like how do you find these obscure tunes like that's how you yeah. start you know you just you you have this passion to seek it out and you know mm -hmm. like anything in life you're just like if you're obsessed with it you're gonna find it eventually exactly right. uh i was the same way with baseball cards when i was a kid but uh <laughs> nice. um when i was also one more one more story um, yeah when, when i was a uh growing my reggae outside of bob marley trying to find something anything um <clears throat> not having to order it i went to another ucd store and the only i went through like hundreds of cds that day and the only there was all spines and the only spine that i found uh that was reggae it was a red gold and green spine and i was like this is reggae it's got to be reggae so i pick it out and it's got a picture of Selassie on the front. And I was like, oh, gold, here we go. What is this? So I flip it over. In the back, it's got a big weed plant. And all the songs are in Spanish. And I was like, what the hell? Gondwana, second yeah. coming album. Yeah, with Verde, Elmarillo, Rojo, um, all the classic Gondwana songs. And I was like, nice. so I just bought it. And I took it home. And my mind was blown. I was just like, what the hell is this? And so, anyways, it's just funny how I never even knew that there was Spanish reggae. And... You know, it all just kind of like 19, 20 years old, just boom. <laughs> it's crazy how like little stuff like that can just get you, can really change your, your life, you know? One time I, oh, I was yeah. like, I was like 15 years old and I went to Tower Records and I was just like barely getting into reggae, like not even that into it. And I went into the reggae section and there was this CD um, that didn't even have like, I think it was a bootleg or something. It just had a big pot leaf on the front. That was it. And it was in the reggae mm -hmm. section and I fucking stole it. I like open. I like tore open the, <laughs> the the case and like took the CD, like the actual CD itself, and put it in my pocket so it wouldn't like set off any like sensors or whatever. And yeah. took it home, and it was a live Congos recording. Oh yeah! And, and like I just got super into the Congos, and like that's how I got into the Congos was just like mm -hmm. jack jacking. And it's all because like that, of that big pot leaf on the front that I just ran yeah, bro. found. You know? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I owe Tower Records like fifteen forty three or whatever. <laughs> it's it's funny you guys mentioned that, right? Because I think that's a nice segue to like, you know, where the scenes at, like some of the modern scenes, especially like you know the Cali root scene. There's a lot of people, and hopefully they have the same kind of story. You know, they're introduced to reggae through, you know, marijuana, weed, cannabis, pot, reefer, whatever you kids want to call it. You know, um, and then you know it becomes that kind of scene and culture a little bit and the music becomes secondary for some people at first and it's mm -hmm. good because these two stories are examples of no now the music's the primary and then you know everything else is secondary it's a yeah. nice introduction so those are like success stories you know i think a lot of people are gonna gonna have that you, you can't deny jamaican music it's infectious oh, no. it has this like vibe to it so for yeah. sure yeah however you know you hear different stories of how people get into reggae it's you know via punk or you know via weed whatever it is but like or via sublime you know but like then what are nowadays via like a slightly stupid or a revolution or something and then like but then once they hear jamaican music it's like it's got them and like you know yep. that's it. Right. That's it. <laughs> so josh um we got our our boy juan love in the comments juan um, saying uh up juan Yes, t saying, tell us about your Jaw Roots days. And I, I, I was going to ask you that because also someone on Instagram, Vibrite, V-I-B-R-I-G-H-T, is his Instagram handle, hit me up and said, like, please ask Josh about Jaw Roots. Specifically, um, he was saying that, that, like, to him, that Jaw Roots was 
super unique and he's never heard another band sound like that and he was really interested in like how you guys got that sound and what your influences were but um you know maybe first for people watching you could just you know talk about jaw roots which was the band you were in before you started doing your solo stuff uh yeah um i just uh was in that band from 2000 probably it was it started out as another band called finn and like i said that uh, we were in to i was into ben harper mm-hmm. a lot as a kid and uh I got into smoking pot and um, I heard Bob Marley and I was like, Ben Harper's kind of like folk rock music. And I was like, man, the reggae is what hit me with the message, you know, and the weed and everything. And I was like, dude, this is, this is what I want to play. This is the kind of music I want to write, you know, like message music that incorporates this beautiful, like R and B. I love R and B too. So reggae is to me, is like a form of soul music almost, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just mm-hmm. with the, you know, with the, with the skanks, yeah. but uh, <clears throat> you guys know, <clears throat> especially with the harmonies and everything. But uh, yeah, so when I was in Jaw Roots, I was just hanging out with all my stoner buddies. I wasn't even in Jaw Roots. I was just hanging out with my stoner buddies, uh, some guys that I went to high school with, and uh, neither one of them even played music, bro. I just play. I was the only one that played and sang guitar, played guitar and sing and was writing music. And I was jamming with another friend of mine that also played guitar, but he didn't sing or anything. And uh, we just had these two guys that were just smoking weed with us all the time, hanging out with us. And uh, we needed other people to. We was like we were like wanted to start a band. And uh, I was, so I told one of the guys, I was like, "You should play bass." And he was like, "I don't know how to play the bass." And I was like, "Bro, just we just pick up the damn guitar and just start learning the shit, dude." He like studied it night and day, left and right, and. He became Ja Roots bass player on all the albums. I mean, the kid is amazing. Wow. And he's just we just went to high school together, just a regular Springfield kid, never even listened to reggae like me, you know? And so I just we just started diving into it deep, the Mighty Diamonds, you know, culture, all this stuff. And he just, just listening to all these bass lines and getting them, <clears throat> you know, Aston Barrett. And uh, so the other guy that was smoking weed with us, I was like, bro, you should play drums or congas or something. And he was like, we didn't have money to buy drums, so he bought a con. He had a conga, and he just started learning how to play congas, and he became the conga player. Yeah, oh. bro, it's like that simple. And uh, so then we uh, did that for a couple of years, just jamming acoustic style like that. And uh, we met a drummer, and we hired him, and he became our drummer. And that was Jaruch, just a bunch of Springfield kids. And I don't, I, it, it's it boggles my mind that people even know who Jaruch <laughs> are or anything because like. Nobody was at our shows. Nobody like we didn't tour. I mean, we toured. I guess well, we toured a lot, but nobody was at our shows. <laughs> you know? Well, I will say just anecdotally. I mean, just you know, in the however long it's been since I've just been aware of, of you and the Josh Heinrichs, you know, name. Almost every time I bring that up to somebody, they they bring up Jaw Roots. They say, I know. They say like, oh, did you ever hear his old band Jaw Roots? And like. So, I mean, people definitely, whatever you guys did. It, it That's the power of the internet, man. That's just, I think <laughs> um, I've been, I've been doing this internet crap, trying to just beg people to listen to my music for 20 years, you know? So <laughs> I, uh, Same. Um, back in the MySpace days, I was just adding, 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 adding. And uh, also I did, um, I went crazy with it, bro. We, we would play, we recorded our first album in like 2001 or yeah. And, uh, 
I was like, dude, let's not sell it. Let's just let's just give it out for free to anybody that'll take it because we want to get the music out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we, I, uh, me and my wife joined these Yahoo chat groups back in the day. This is like before MySpace, mm-hmm. but they had like all these reggae chat groups, and they'd have like a thousand, two thousand members. And so I was like, I would put up these on the message boards. I'd be like, hey, if anybody wants a, a free reggae CD, we'll mail it to you for free. You know, just give us your address, bro. We mailed out thousands of cds over the wow. years yeah and uh that's brilliant it, we got, oh my gosh we got so much response it was insane and then i just started seeing it on like reggae review websites and uh, uh and then like Kaza and napster and all that stuff came out and i started Dang. seeing on, i started seeing all of our music on there and i was like oh shit it's like working dude so that's the power of the internet i think it was just at the right place at the right time for Jaw roots maybe you know like I mean, some people, even people in the comments here, like, let's see, Newt Cakes says, I got into reggae going to Jaw Roots and <laughs> Josh Heinrich shows in Springfield. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Juan Love again, he says, Crucial has always been the jam since way back. Um, and, and see, that was just us, like, especially in like 2004 or five, that's when uh, I met Skillinja. Actually, I went to high school with Skillinja in the 90s, but... We got we started getting back together around two thousand three or two thousand four, but he introduced me. So I was a I was a super roots guy, you know. And then I Skalinja has always been a dance hall guy, but he moved to New York after high school, and uh, he came back to Springfield in like two thousand three. And uh, some friends of his said, "Hey, have you heard this local band here in Springfield called Jar Roots?" And he was like, "No." And so they went out <laughs> to come. <laughs> he was like, "There's a reggae band in Springfield." It's crazy and, how that uh, happens, right? Like you're super yeah. into reggae and you just like there's, there's only one reggae band in town and you don't know who they are. It's like yeah, that's crazy. Uh, what's funny is that I didn't even know he did reggae, but until I met back up with him and he came to our show and he was like, "Hey, I'm Kyle Bell from Parkview. We went to high school together." And I was like, "Holy shit, I remember you." He was like a year older than me, but uh, I was like, like, "Oh my!" Like I picked on you. <laughs> nah, he, yeah, he picked on me. Shit, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> all the way around. No, no, he didn't. We didn't even talk to each other. But right. uh, he, um, <laughs> I didn't like him. And, no, and uh, we had we had these black awareness uh, assemblies in, in at our high school in Springfield, Missouri, uh, in wow. the nineties. Yeah, people. and uh, they would have like uh, we had, we had um, a, a few black kids at our school, and so they would all perform and do different things. But they would uh, have Kyle Skalinja come up there and he would dj and this is in high school he would do like shaggy style you know and and shabba ranks and uh, yeah it just never even hit me or anything i didn't even know what it was i just remember when i was a kid i was like that's cool i didn't even know we had a guy at our school that could do that kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. so yeah cut to like four years after high school he comes to my show and he's like hey i'm kyle bell and i do reggae too and i was like you do and i was like oh my god i think i remember at the old talent shows you used to do reggae like voice and he was like yeah i've been doing that in new york for like the last four years and jamaica he went to jamaica he's done some fest he's done sting uh all those big shows you can look Dang. it up on youtube yeah but he was known as Botaflex back then but so he got picked up by sony records and they flew him out and signed him and uh he was they, they were trying to make him like the next um who's the guy from the 90s Snow, uh, snow. Oh. They were trying to make, yeah, they were trying to make Skilly like the next snow, but it, it never worked out. I mean, he he went to Jamaica and did good and everything, but 
Yeah, so did he, like, have you, has he talked to you? I'm sure, I mean, I, you guys are close, and I was going to even ask you about him, but you pretty much just answered all my questions. But, like, did did he, has he talked to you about how Jamaica went for him in terms of, like, how he went over yeah. there? Yeah. Because that always blows my mind, you know what I mean? People are always like, oh, Expanders, you guys should go to Jamaica. And I'm always like, I'm too, like, I'm too shy, you know, to, like, yeah. play that kind of music in Jamaica. So how did they, how did they like him there? Oh, man, well, that's, that. you can, like I said, you can look it up on YouTube. They forward oh, it, bro. Okay. They give him, they didn't, you know, because sometimes they get bottled and shit. And, uh, right. no, bro, he's been bottled before he told me. Jeez, but wow. He, he, I ain't going. Thing. Yeah, right? He went to I Jamaica. would bottle Roger if he went. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's uh, performed in Jamaica and been there, like, two or three times. But uh, one time he went was right before Hurricane Ivan, I guess. And uh, it came, the, I, the hurricane came while he was there and it like destroyed the airport and shit. So he couldn't leave for like a year. Whoa. And he's also, yeah, Jeez. so he stayed in Jamaica for Imagine. a year, bro. Yeah, so Kyle's full on like, he's, he's good to go. He knows everything there is to know. And he's done every cool show he's recorded. He's cool, man. He's, so, it's really cool. Yeah. So, so he comes back to Springfield, sorry, about John ja yeah. Roots. And he comes to the show, and I was like, "Bro, we need, we gotta have you like join the band, dude." And so he joined the band in like 2004. We did one album together, and uh, then he got another offer to join uh, uh, with Sony Records again in New York. So wow. they flew him out, and he moved back to Jamaica or moved back to New York again, and was doing shows with like um, I don't know all the guys back in like 2006 time, um, Chesedek, and, uh, just whoever was popping up there, up in New York style. But uh, I was like, dude, we need another DJ now because he left. And so then, then we got this guy, Iron. And so that's Crucial and uh, the next album, which is mm -hmm. Joy. Yeah. And that's those two albums. We, they really did good selling or not, not even selling, just giving them away mostly. But. Well, and so now do you like when you tour, it's almost it's almost always with. Um, so you, I always said Skillinja, but you're saying Skillinja. Is that how you pronounce it? Dude, everybody just says it however, okay. man. I'm, okay. I'm, a, I'm from Missouri. I'm a hillbilly, so I just say Skilly Joe. You know? Skilly. But, Skilly. Uh, okay, let's yeah. say Skilly. So you pretty much like, does he, he pretty much always comes out with you when you, when you tour, Yeah, right? yeah, because, I mean, I did the solo thing. I, I'll do solo shows still and stuff, but I just, uh, me and Skilly, like, uh, I feel like we just have something that's so... Oh, you do? Awesome. And, and I, I've always, me and him together, uh, so so he left and went to New York, and we I got another DJ... And we finished out Jar Roots from 2006 to 2008 with the other DJ, Iron, And that was okay. It was cool. But, I, I mean, this wasn't what right. Skilly was. didn't have the chemistry, yeah. Yeah. To me, it wasn't the chemistry. You know, everybody will disagree with me. I'm going to have a million comments on here being like, Iron is the bomb. And he is. He's good. But Not a million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Anyways. Uh, it's a reggae fucking, podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so whatever. Skilly came back whenever I quit the band, and I was like, man, we should just start touring together. And it makes a really good dynamic show, you know? Hell yeah, it does. It's like, it's almost like, uh, it's, it's like, I, I just kind of articulated this to myself right now for the first time, but. You know, you would get those pairs in Jamaica of like a singer, especially in the '80s, right? Like for like a, you'd get like a duo of like there'd be a singer, a guy who sings, and a guy who DJs. You know, mm -hmm. I'm thinking Michigan Smiley, but they were both like DJs. There are other guys that 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 are that are a better example. Born Americans, yeah, or like, oh man, I, I don't want to take too long with like trying to reference in my mind, but but you guys are kind of like a modern 
parallel of Ooh. that, you know, because you have a crazy good voice and then Skilly's like the DJ Thanks. style, you know, so it's like it works so well. And no, I mean, just like I didn't know any of that. You just mentioned about Skilly. I just knew like I've seen him every time I've seen you basically. So like I always thought he was dope and I was always just like, wow, like there's this white dude, like skinny white dude who like is from Missouri yeah, like just acts like he's from Jamaica in terms of like his presence on stage and now. So this makes so much sense. Like, oh, bro, he's makes he's so much here. sense. He's recorded with um, man. You just have to look it up. I can't think of all these hardcore dancehall guys. He's got pictures. He's a hung out. He got videos hanging out. I'm like, bro, it's it. They totally accept him, and it's totally awesome. And his patois is perfect from living yeah. there for you know. And so, uh, a lot of kids, a lot of you know people give him shit, and they're like, dude, why you're you're white and you're from Missouri? Why are you doing patois? Da da. And it's the same thing I tell everybody. Why is Led Zeppelin, why are the Beatles singing like they're from America? It's because you emulate what you love. It's not, Mm -hmm. you're not trying to steal it. It's just whatever hits you and it touches your heart. That's what you want to emulate, you know, and make you like, you're like, that sounds cool. I want to do my version of that. And so I feel like, you know, if, if you get a forward, you get a forward, bro. So (laughs) you're doing something right. I I agree with you so much because it's like, if you, if we were all into, you know, music from a spanish-speaking country and that's what we were so passionate about and that's the kind of music we were covering and writing like wouldn't we want to you know not only like learn spanish but like pronounce it correctly and and, you know and and so it's like it's almost like people it's almost like people who like are are looking down on patois or something they're like like it's not a fucking real language or something you know but it's always like dude it's exactly what you just said it's like this is what i listen to this is what i love this is what i'm passionate about and when i create music which i'm ultimately doing for myself and you guys are doing for yourselves right because you love it yeah and you're gonna create the music you listen to so i think you, yeah. you nailed it with that one you know and he always like i you're absolutely right like his patois is perfect like I, and this just explains it all i would i was always just like, like what is going on here like, what, <laughs> yeah, right? what is happening? i think a lot of people are but <laughs> i'm glad to explain it I, I saw your uh pod clash uh with anthony b uh-huh. and I, I was listening to him and he uh you asked him about you know what does he think about other races playing reggae and and doing the message and he said that's just it it doesn't matter who you are or what you are it's the message is for everybody and we're all representatives of our own version of the message which is one love you know exactly so, right, yeah for sure yeah man. i think i think it becomes that's interesting reggae. it's reggae yeah, man reggae. i think it becomes interesting when you know you have to decipher when someone and who am I to judge someone's love for reggae, right? But if it's a natural love for reggae, everything is going to fall into place. Like like you said, Devin, I mean, there's a love for like actually learning or being interested about patois, you know, not just looking at it as a novelty thing. And, mm-hmm. and from the surface going, oh, why are you trying, you know, are you making fun of it or you're not doing it right or it's just novelty? It's like, this is a culture I love and, I, you know, it's, and, it's, yeah. it's a part of me. You know? And, you know, which is not to say that, you know, that people who... That, that some people might not be exploiting it, right? Or like, or, exactly. or you know what I mean? So it's not, you know, I, I, I'm definitely sympathetic to that argument because I can see myself as such a hardcore reggae fan. If I wasn't a musician myself and was just a pure fan, I don't, you know, I can definitely see myself being a hater in that regard, you know, and being like, yeah. ah, like, why are you? So, you know, it's not, I don't want to like just dismiss that just because I, I happen to, you know, write in Patois a lot myself. Well, but, but I just think what Josh said, it just nailed it. You know what I mean? You, just with so much in your life, ultimately, you have to just look in, within yourself and be honest, right? And and you know what your motivation is and what your um, you know what your goal is, 
and why you're doing something, right? And if you're mm-hmm. doing it cuz you love it, then then you're doing the right thing ultimately. You know, and you got to always, you know, make sure you're you're paying respect and you know what I mean? If you're covering another artist's tune, you know, do what you can to make sure if you're making a little bit of money off it that they get, you know, their, their yeah. share and all that stuff, but yeah, I think yeah. you nailed it. Yeah, bro. I think um I think everybody just wants to box everybody into the Ross Trent category, you know. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is, you know, there are, there are plenty of Ross well, Trents there, out there. Well, there's valid. I mean, and that's and, that's what I'm saying. There is val- there's like you just said there's validity to that, so, but you can't just box everyone into the same you, thing. You, you, <laughs> you can't you can't. And it's it's funny because over the years like Devin said, oh, you know, I've been listening to reggae music for like 25 years over and Devin same thing you become very protective of the music, even though yeah. I'm not Jamaican, you know, it's just, yeah. it's a part of your blueprint over a certain amount of years. Oh um, yeah, bro. And so I think that kind of lends itself to, you know, segue into, you know, you, I mean, man, I'm a big fan of you and your music, but geez, man, I mean, how outspoken you've been about, you know, the racial injustice and, and just uh, it's on social media, having such a voice and a presence there that in my eyes is a true definition of someone who is not black, playing reggae music, loves reggae music. And by default, it's not work. You're not doing this for a pat on the back. You're not doing this because you feel obligated. You're doing this because it's a natural effect of the love of reggae music. And I just got, you know, hats off to you. Not that it's something that, that it's like you get a reward for doing. It's something that you just be there. Yeah. And, um, Thank you, you know, it, it sucks to say that, that, uh, you know, I mean, after the George, Flo- the murder of George Floyd, of course, all social media and everybody is, you know, high on emotion. And so you see everyone speaking up, or I mean, majority of people speaking up all across uh, musical genres. But I mean, I, you would think with the reggae genre, with, with the, I'm going to pick on, you know, the American or California roots genre uh, scene that we would have more people. More. And, and, and I was thinking about this the other day. There's such, there was such, and there still is such a great potential for us, like to just be outspoken and, and make some crazy changes and concentrate on Black Lives Matter and yeah. concentrate. And it's like, dude, we get an F. If we were graded, we get a freaking F. If I can like count the people that are outspoken as opposed to like, you know, switch that and go, Oh, I can count the people that weren't, you know, outspoken or and didn't really say anything and didn't really say anything. I mean, it's like, um, you know, Angela Davis said, right. In a racist society, it's not enough to be non-racist. We must be anti-racist. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you feel that there's, um, you know, a natural obligation that comes, you know, people like us, us three, we're not black, but we love Jamaican music. We love reggae music. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on being outspoken about that? Uh, I think it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, of course, reggae is, that's what reggae is about. But, um, referencing the Anthony B thing again, uh, I heard him say, you know, it just comes with the territory. If you play reggae, that's, that's, that's part of the territory. It's supposed to be, but, um, it's a human thing. You know what I'm saying? It's just boils down to like, when you see wrong, you got to speak out. And the apathy is what is the death of the world. I feel like, you know, and uh, just thinking that, oh, somebody else will say something. Somebody else will do something. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to rock my boat. I don't want to rock my financial boat. I don't want to rock my social boat. Is is just 
perpetuating the racism, you know what I'm saying? Because it's not standing up and doing anything. You guys know, everybody knows that. So I just feel like it is part of just reggae music. I mean, that's what reggae is. That's what Bob Marley is. That's what every, that's what Rasta is. So I, I'm not here to, uh, I don't want to pick on anybody in, in the reggae scene. I, everybody I has will. their own. <laughs> Leave it to me. That's I pretty much care. why Roger is on this show. I just pick uh, on right? people. Yeah. Well, um, I just think, you know, everybody has their own way of doing things. Of course, you know, social media is there because that's what you're supposed to be doing is making a statement or saying how you feel because that's that's your, your voice. But, you know, um, do I wish that more people would have done something? Yeah. But like I said, you know, I, I, I can't uh, judge anybody at the same time. I just hope that you know people will choose to use their voice well you know roger and i like um we're at, you know we're talking from months ago that we wanted to have you on you know and one of the main reasons being because we were just like man like josh is like we're so it's not the right word right but it's like we're so proud of josh for all the like right, right. things he's saying um and being so vocal and and so i was wondering like because i don't really you know i've lived in la my whole life too and of course, I've traveled around, but I've never lived anywhere else. And so, like, being a vocal anti-racist activist in Missouri, I mean, is that, like, I, I just imagine that, that that comes with its share of, uh, I don't know, bullshit. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, like, I think that I think that's a, that has a big part to play in the reason I am who I am is because... Um, yeah, Missouri. We're, I don't know if you saw that video of the guy standing out on the street, and it's supposed to be the most racist city in America. And mm-hmm, they wouldn't mm-hmm. they wouldn't say what city it was, but it was Harrison or, or Harrison, Arkansas, I think. Or, anyways, it's that's about an hour away from me. And uh, yeah, man, in my town, when I was a little kid, I found out when I was probably about eight or nine years old, my mom was going to college late in life, and uh, she had to do a report on local history and uh, we found out that there was a lynching here in the early 1900s and it was two uh, three black kids that uh were innocent and a lady said that something happened nothing happened and they went and uh, a mob got them broke them out of the jail sheriff couldn't do anything and they hung them here in our town square and uh that hit me really hard as a kid because i went to school with black kids and my best friend was black across the street from my house. And so I, I just, I couldn't even believe it. And then, you know, like you said, growing up in Missouri, you have family, you have people around that <laughs> they just don't have any cooth about saying the N word about making jokes about stuff like that. And it's just like, it's very eye opening, you know? Um, and so, yeah, when I was about 13, I was a big MTV nutbag, you know, like every other 13-year-old was back then. And uh, I was really into Guns N' Roses and, like, rock and stuff. Uh, but R&B, too, still. I was listening to, like, CNC Music Factory. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I heard... Nice, um, nice, nice. Yeah, right? Like, everything. But that was when my life changed, was I heard... Um, they played the uh, Rage Against the Machine. The Leonard Peltier video. And I watched and I read, they played that video a thousand times back then, you know, like all the damn time. They played that Rage Against Freedom is the name of the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it tells the whole Leonard Peltier story and the American Indian Movement story. And I was, I was instantly an activist after that, you know. I was like, what the hell? I cannot even believe that this injustice is going on. And uh, I started listening to Rage Against the Machine and 
it was on, bro. You know, so it's just, uh, it's always lit a fire in me. And then what's funny is that all my friends back then were into Rage Against the Machine. It seemed like 90s were like a very a activist time to me as a, as a kid. You know, maybe I was disillusioned because I was just thinking it was for the older kids. But they seemed like they were more active and like, fighting for the planet and, you know, doing stuff in the, in the, in the nineties. And then I just feel like everybody just gave up or I don't know. It's, it's weird or <laughs> it's like, it's like, I think what you're describing is cognitive dissonance. And, and I experience that a lot. Like me and Roger, like in, just in the reggae scene right now, it's right. It's like, it's exactly what you're describing. It's like, it's like you, you're into this kind of music. You're even singing these lyrics and then there seems to be no carryover into your daily life. It doesn't seem to have affected your the morals that you bring into other parts of your life outside the music. And, you know, to us, I know to you, and I know to Roger, it's like that is so, it's so hard to imagine that happening. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But we see it all the time. It's like, unfortunately, I'm not even surprised anymore. And, and you know, and not to pick on this reggae scene because there's a lot of beautiful things in the American reggae scene and a lot of great bands doing the right thing. But, you know, you see it. We talk about it on this show. It's like you, you see it in, in the audience a lot. People who, you know, s such and such band that plays, you know, the reggae festivals that we all go to every year is their favorite band. And this is their scene. And yet they're straight up like all lives matter people. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. It's, it's crazy. But yeah, it's, and that's what I noticed with me when I started posting myself more, you know, with this whole thing that's going on. And all of the fans, especially fans that I even know, you know, that I've interacted mm -hmm. with that are telling me, dude, you're, you're fucking wrong. You're stupid. You're a fucking idiot. I hate you. I'm, I'm deleting your music. I've gone down probably three or 4,000 fans on Instagram and I've gone down probably five or 6,000 on Facebook wow. just from posting how I, yeah. And, yeah. uh, it, whatever, teach their own. I, I, you know, I don't need that shit, but, uh, it's just, it, it blows my mind. But the, the thing that I'm thankful for is that I noticed it before all this. Like last year, you know, the year before, the last couple of years, I've kind of, I was like almost losing my want to be involved in this reggae scene because I felt like it was getting so inhabited with these people. You know what I'm saying? These people that are not hearing the message and all these people that the same people that are leaving me shitty comments and being like, I can't believe you feel this way. But I'm like, dude, I have 20 years of songs that are saying I feel this way. Like you said, they're <laughs> right. not hearing. They're not putting they're not hearing my damn lyrics and hearing no. out what I, you know what I'm saying? So it's almost just like that's what I'm saying. I was I've been noticing this for years and it's it was it was starting to bother me to where I was like, how do I address this to me? To me to where I felt weird about posting stuff about Black Lives Matter before uh, George Floyd because I knew it was going to be such a giant ordeal. Right. Or posting, uh, not even posting that, posting how I feel about Trump or posting just anything about how I personally feel about things. I get a sea of shut the fuck up. We don't, we're here to listen to music and not hear what you want to say, even though my music is a reflection of how I feel. That's what art is. <laughs> you know, so that's, I just think I, I, I was just blown away. But at the same time, I was kind of happy that it all is out in the open now and that everybody right. knows how I feel and that I'm free to be who I want to be and my real true reggae self. And this is the reason I play reggae and why I play reggae. What what kind of like <clears throat> comment is that on like the not just the reggae scene, but just like the state of 
of the of humanity now and especially Americans and how they receive information that they can listen to literally 20 years worth of songs mm-hmm. and and not know how you feel about an issue and then after one like social media post they're they're mad at you like it's insane mind is blown yeah like they didn't know i know man and they even post the, they're like dude you have that song it's called good vibes and i'm like bro listen to the oh, lyrics man. of the song the song even says it's not all good vibes. It's people spitting in your face, but you have to keep good vibes and just deal with their bullshit. That's what the, they're the missing. We've what the damn song's about is what, you know what I'm saying? Right. So they get caught up in the atmosphere. You know, <clears throat> we've been to a million of these festivals and they, you get, they get caught up in this atmosphere of, I'm going to, Oh, I can't wait to get there. I'm going to dab. I'm going to smoke weed. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to get and a, a shot too. of tequila. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, and He's like, like, wait a minute. Yeah. Leave, leave the dabs out of this. Please. <laughs> leave, no, leave no, the dabs no, no, out no. Of <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. And I was like, and obviously I'm not picking on that, but it's just like, that's all it is to some people. That's yeah. all it is. And, and, and the music is the backdrop. That's just an upbeat. And then, you know, and it's just going on. But it's not the primary you well, know, we, reason. We, we um, talked about this last week. It's the sound for a lot of people. It's the soundtrack for them to get wasted to. Exactly. And then, yeah. so, so if you start to harsh their vibe by talking about you know anything that makes them feel uncomfortable, you know what I mean? Right. It's like then they're like, wait, what happened to good vibes? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. And I, and yeah. I think I think the way the scene is, it's a testament to like regulating like the bands over all the years. It's like okay, if you're a bro reggae band what are you going to sing about what's your content like what are you what are you gonna, and that's cool to be generic and cliche and just good vibes and smoke and 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 red gold and green and we're all happy under one whatever but it's kind of a responsibility and a duty as well when you see that i think you know i i try to dissect why it would be an issue for any reggae band nowadays uh-huh. like it why it would even be an issue that they don't like speak loudly about black get up stand up yeah it it (laughs) seems it seems to me like if you're gonna label yourself as a reggae band without hesitation you would you would want to overly you know promote anti-racism yeah yeah it sucks and it's sad you know and i think there's a lot of these people out there and fans and bands included they're just waiting for for it to just get more and more diminished as far as on the headlines and it's yeah it's and, and for them oh we're waiting for it to go away but, but for 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 minority for black people for brown people it, it's not going away it never has gone away you yeah, know what i mean so exactly yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing to see someone like you you're just an example for 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 a lot of people out there and and your fans appreciate that you know it's quality well, quality connection that's who it's for is for the real people that are real fans you know and i'm not trying to talk shit about anybody and you know that's that's the thing too is that um you can't even like hate on people that don't get it or are like dude i thought it was all about good vibes maybe they need that education you know what i'm saying just that one little tiny bit of uh polite education and it makes them think and then oh okay i mean that that's the hope right you know it's like yeah because because when you look at it and you take you know a really like logical magnifying lens on like what we're talking about right a lot of it has to do with the fact that a huge population of the reggae audience, not to say anything about the bands in the scene, are, are white people, right? And and if you're white in America, your experience growing up is very different than people who are black or brown. Of course. And so, and so you didn't, you know, you maybe, you don't have to think about racism. You can live your life without thinking about racism. You can choose to not pay attention to it, 
right? Whereas black people can't, you know what I mean? As tired as, as, as a, a black woman may be of talking about racism, she goes out her house, she's going to encounter it, whether it's in a face-to-face oh, yeah. interaction or the way it's built into our institutions and our, you know, in a systemic way. And so, um, you know, you would hope that like, okay, maybe some, some white people in the audience who have never had to deal with it are going to like hear my songs and now we're having a conversation and now, you know, maybe we can make some progress and that's the hope. But, you know, and I don't mean to be like a cynic because in the end I do have a lot of hope for humanity, but I just feel that like what I see is like people who are, you know, I'll, I'll just say, I'll just say it like Trump supporters, like, I feel like a lot of their even support for Trump is not based on the things that he's for. It's based on the things that he's against. It's based on the way he stokes the hatred that they feel and gives them, enables their uh, desire to scapegoat and to blame problems on, you know, other people. Um, And so because that in and of itself is illogical, just, just on its foundation, then I find a lot of the times like this, this conversation we're hoping for, doesn't doesn't get anywhere because yeah. I mean my wife and I were talking about this today. It's like how do you talk to somebody like that? And there are all these things on paper that like well you know maybe try it saying this and that. But like if you're dealing with somebody who truly doesn't want to hear it, they they're not interested in like hearing what you have to say to see whether or not they think it makes sense. They are they just don't want it to make sense right from the beginning. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Not just want to tangent, but it's just yeah, it's, yeah. They're always going to go out of their way to to see their viewpoint and make their viewpoint work. I know I, there's a million right. of those people. They're on Facebook every day, and that's the people that were leaving me comments. And you know, sometimes you get an uh, argument, uh, you know, holler. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, right. why? How did I get in this hole? But uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah I exactly. Just, uh, like you said, you know, you just can't. There's no way to do it. They, they I feel like that, that's a whole another personality type that enjoys that shit mm-hmm. you know they want they just want to push you they want to stoke your buttons they don't want to hear what you have to say but uh, right. i also i also feel like there is people that just need to hear the right mm-hmm. example yeah. and uh t- for me personally um i think uh, one of them that really works for people that are like if if black people just listened to the police and didn't do it it just did what they're supposed to do then they wouldn't get shot dude it doesn't even matter. I think uh, something that hit me really hard was that um, I have kids. I have three kids, and I've never once had to sit down with them and have a talk with them about if you get pulled over, don't do this. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Don't, you know, don't. I've never even had to, like, think about that. I just know that it's going to be okay because they're just regular-ass kids. They don't do anything bad, you know. And that's the same thing with any black kid. But you know that those – I can't even imagine being a black parent and having to worry about a, a new 16-year-old black kid having to drive and whew, getting pulled yeah. over. It's just – I think that's – I think you just have to – it's it's a matter of uh, figuring out a way to put your yourself in somebody else's place, you know, mm-hmm. and having to understand their perspective. Right. Yeah. <sighs> you, you, uh, you, you nailed it. I think all three of us agree that education is key. You know, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be a Vice shouting Royce. match. It's not it's <laughs> not it's not like we're promoting a shouting match of I'm right, I'm right. Like no, I mean you know we know which side's right, but I'm saying it is education. It is not just to to shame people that don't believe in what you believe. You know, yeah. it's it's to educate and teach. Yeah. I just really hold a, a lot of clout in the potential teachers, and in this case, it's the people who are on 
soapboxes, people that have a voice, you know, people like bands, yeah. people, you know, the, I'm just, I'm, like I said before, you know, the, imagine the potential awareness that if, if we united, you know, like, like a lot of bands, you know, and I'm not going to name specifics. I know people in the chat rooms like, well, who? No, the vast majority in my book, you know, and it sucks, right? Because I'm a reggae musician and I may be shooting myself in the foot just by saying that the vast majority, but it's, it's how I feel because it does, it's more than just, you know, posting a black square on what was it, June 2nd or something like that. Like we have, we have the potential to, to, to come together and really have create or create a big movement with a banner that says Black Lives Matter and oh, yeah. show people without a doubt, show all the fans without a doubt that this generation and era of reggae music is vocally anti-racist. Yeah, yeah. And, and we don't do that. We don't do that. I, I don't, you know, and, and I, yeah. I know I don't want to disrespect people that, that there are people out there that are doing that. So, you know, it's a blanket statement. I realize that, that um, not everyone is, is I think, like what I'm describing, but. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. No, um, go for it. I think it, uh, a lot of it has to do with money, man. I think, uh, I mean, 99% of it has to do with money. You know, nobody wants to lose their fans. They don't want to lose their listeners. They don't want to lose their income. Like, they don't want to lose, like, I don't know. I'm just a single guy, so it's not, it's not as crazy for me to rock my own boat. But a band, right. you also got five or six other opinions, four opinions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, you got to deal with guys like, oh, one, you know, three guys want to put up all, all this Black Lives Matter stuff. But one guy's like, dude, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? But you don't want to lose your fucking drummer. So, <laughs> but, the, but those that. are priorities. But, but the thing is, though, those is are it, priorities. You know, I'm not yeah. defending. I'm not. Defending oh, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, Josh. I, yeah. I'm just Josh, saying. Josh, are you All Lives Matter, Josh? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I just think it's a uh, a really slippery slope for a lot of bands. And, it's not uh, easy. Yeah, yeah, besides their besides their democracy amongst their band, also like I said, their their financial aspects, their sponsorships. Sure. You know, it is. You know, it's crazy when you start bringing in business. You know, it, you you would hope that people would do what you're doing, right? But like, um, but I feel like there's a there's a wide gulf between like, you know, some of the some of the like what you're doing for example and the level of like activism that we would hope to see from people and then what some groups are like actually doing you know what i mean it's like yeah it's like i understand like if i mean i don't really understand but like okay it's one thing if you just if you want to you know not go too far with it but we're not even talking about that like some some groups just don't even talk about it but you At know all. i think yeah. you know it is what it is like we've you know all we can do all you can do at the end of the day really is like it's as cliche but be the change you want to see right you just got to lead by example while at the same time always understanding that we are all students as well and none of us yeah. really know know too much <laughs> um i want to be i want to be the guy that whenever i was 17 rage against the machine you know bob marley i want to be this 17 year old kid seeing me seeing you seeing all, all of us standing up for what we think is right and being like i want to do that you know what i'm saying so we are man we're, we're we're definitely doing what's right and we're influencing the right people i feel like you know I, it's just I love putting the pressure on still. I, I don't yeah. ever want to give, I, I don't ever want to no, give a glimmer of hope in any band going, feeling content that their, yeah. that their silence is cool. I don't, heck no. I want other people that, I, I don't have any names, but I want people that like, if we ever get back to playing music and we're in a festival, that they're kind of like, oh, there's Roger. I don't, oh, you know, like, I mean, 
not for the fear factor, not for anything. You gotta You're pay scary. attention to what I'm. <laughs> not yeah, I got a big head, big ball head. But for the, it's the conviction. You know, it is because there are a lot of people. I'm not saying that there's the, the bands are majority racist. Not at all. I know there's a lot of good people out there that are, but but we have such a podium. And I know I'm I'm uh you know like a broken record here, but it's just it's an ongoing struggle, right? There's so many different route. There's so many different uh, hurdles to jump. I mean, there's the actual hurdle, you know, of of a. Uh, equality and then there's the actual i think i I feel it's near and dear to my heart because i just been into reggae music so long yeah to see a movement like this modern reggae movement kind of get established within the last however however many years you know have financial success and have financial success and have the tools that's where it comes from is it's just like you know and i'm mexican i'm not even black i mean i still go through what i go through being mexican but like geez yeah you know you can't sit back and like play black music and 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 everything you have you owe it to jamaican music and then not feel overly there you go nice you know. wearing that shirt today <laughs> beautiful love black yeah man beautiful love black people like you love black culture <laughs> it's true Amen. you know that's like he's so true and, and it's common those sense are, those <laughs> no. are important words you know what i mean it's like because because anybody, I don't care who you are or who, who you came to see or what your political views are, if you're going to like any of these American reggae festivals, whether you're as an audience member or as a performer, you are loving black culture because yeah. that's where this music comes from, you know? But it's like then you don't want to talk about like what black people are going through or, or, or God forbid, like your own, you know, role in in maintaining that status quo, you know what I mean? So exactly. that's, it's important. Um, I could talk about this for like hours and hours, but since we have a limited time, I do have some more musical questions for you. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I know people want to know some stuff. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is your, um, is your rooftop sessions. Anybody who follows Josh, you know, knows that, um, he, he does this, he has some videos that he does. He does a thing called rooftop sessions where bands will come through and crash at your house. Um, which mm-hmm. is a whole other thing in and of itself. Like Josh is, it's like if anyone's like a Lord of the Rings or like Hobbit fan, like there's an area called Rivendell where it's like the last homely house. And it's like, if you're out like adventuring, like that's like the last place, like that's like this little refuge in the middle of nowhere that you can like go and be safe and like be homely. And it's nice. And I always think of your, your, your house is like Rivendell. You should get like a, a little plaque or something, but it's like bands out there traveling the country and, you know, especially if you're from LA, you know, you're like, dang, we're in Missouri. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. And then you, you can go to Josh, Josh's house. I mean, with your permission, yeah. I'm not saying everyone just go show up at Josh's house, but, you know, <laughs> he lets, you know, Josh has, has, has let a lot of bands crash at his place, um, and there'll be, like, a jam session downstairs. Uh, last time Expanders came through, we jammed with your son. He was playing bass. Remember that? Damn. Yeah, bro. And, uh, and, then we'll, and then we'll get on the roof and video Josh and the band singing a song. It's called Rooftop Sessions, and it became a series. And so I just wanted to ask you about that, you know, how that started, some of the notable groups you've had come through and, you know, stay at your place and do the rooftop sessions with you. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, we, just, we used to have another house. We moved into this house, and so we haven't really done it since mm-hmm. we moved here. But, oh, okay. uh, yeah, the other house we used to do it because we had, like, a A-frame kind of house, so the roof came down real low. Uh, so you can get up there and yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had several people come through and do it, but, um, yeah, it just turned out to be a cool thing. And then somebody, a lot of people thought it was a song and they're like, where's What's that rooftop session? And so I made a song called rooftop session. Right. But yeah, but, um, yeah, just kind of talking about, you know, how wonderful it is to, to jam on the roof. It's such a beautiful feeling, you know? And, uh, I don't remember who the first person was that came to my house 
But I was like, I, me and my wife used to get up there and hang out and I would play guitar and jam for her. And then one day I was just like, damn, we should take the bands up there and film a, a jam session up there. And yeah, I just started doing it. It was pretty cool. Nice. And then oh, the refrigerator yeah. came next and then the couch <laughs> came next and the, the ferns came out. Yeah, uh, right? <laughs> and all those ferns. Uh, Never mind. I do remember them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So no, Devin, the, you, you Devin, you said you went and, and uh, you, yeah, you went to Josh's um, we, pad, a right? couple times. So here's my two quick stories. The first time we stayed at Josh's place, and I think it's when we did the rooftop sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, th- it was we were on tour. Oh, you were there, Raj. You were there, but you didn't stay with us that day or something. Was I sleeping in the van? Because I was, was you were sleeping in the van. Yeah, Raj. Oh, was dude, there. that was the tour. Josh. We stupid, where we stayed at Josh's house. We almost connected. <laughs> was it the first, wait, first night of stupid when I came back on the tour with you guys. Or it was, was like it? yeah, it was that slightly stupid tour, and you. Because remember, slept I had in a, the van, <laughs> but I had to dip. I had to fly from LA to yeah, meet yeah. up with you guys because I had shows in LA. So. Was it that? I forget, man. I but, don't remember what it was, but now I, I do remember. As I'm telling this, I'm like, wait, Roger. Dang, if I can go back but, in time, Josh, <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> you messed up. You messed up. So, but I remember, do you remember, Roger, that the day, like, so my two notable experiences from that, like, 48 hours mm-hmm. was like, we were on tour, we're slightly stupid, and we played the show, and then we crashed at Josh's house, and we did the, it might have been a day off, actually, and we did the rooftop sessions thing, but then I think the next day, we got in the car and started driving. And one of the reasons we had stopped at your house, Josh, when we did is because um, we read that there was going to be a tornado like on the route that we Ugh. were taking to wherever we were going to, you know? So we were like, maybe we shouldn't drive through there. Let's, you know, let's stay like Nathaniel, you know, Ross Morris was our tour manager and he was like, oh, you know, I can hit up Josh. So we stayed and it turned out for many reasons to be a good idea because the next day we got on the road. And, you know, I'm from L.A. We have earthquakes and fires, but we don't have tornadoes. So I don't really have any experience with that. And we got on the road and we drove through the area where the tornado was. And there were like, we were seeing 18 wheelers just flipped over on the side of the road. There was this little town on the side of the road just wiped out. Like, it was insane. And we all kind of like just got quiet driving through like, damn, it's a good thing we stopped at Josh's house because that was, that would have been us. So I remember those those are like my two uh, memories of your house that first time. And then the second time we came through was not too, like, a, was just a couple years ago. And, and your son was like starting to play bass and we filmed that jam session. People can go find that on, I think, probably your Instagram and the Expanders Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, that was super fun. Yeah, we still have a uh, board on our, which you guys signed uh, on our, by our front door. Like oh, little, nice. Yes. Yeah, it's still on there right now. Is, but, uh, uh, is he still playing yeah. bass? Oh, bro, he's playing everything. I just bought him a uh, slide guitar because he's nice. got. He, yeah, we watched La Bamba and he got into the whole sleepwalk thing, and he was yeah. like, I, "He's like, what is that?" And I was like, I, "I was like, it's a slide guitar, but it's like a, it's a lap, you know, it's a lap steel guitar, or whatever." And he, he, I showed it to him on YouTube, and he was like, "Damn, I gotta get one of those someday." So I went on Amazon. And I was nice. like, "Bye." That's dope, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. Well, they're only like 150 bucks for like a beginner one. So Still, yeah. I was like, dude, I got to get it. So I got it for him. Dude, literally the next day he had that song down. Well, no like, kidding. Per- yeah, perfect, bro. The kid is like a musical genius. I'm not trying to brag, but. Did his nickname, <laughs> did his nickname stick? I don't know if you remember, but we were. Hot we were Milk. Hot, hot Milk Niners, yeah. bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yes. Because we were, because Rod, we were playing the Hot Milk rhythm, the do, 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 boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And so like we showed him that on bass. Are he, you? He knew it already, right? That was like the yeah, reason yeah. he knew. And yeah, we, dude, there's was. a video of like it's Asher on drums, Josh's son on bass playing, playing the hot milk rhythm, right. and like I think I'm playing guitar and Roy's playing keys, and like I was singing some stuff. 
And yeah, so we, we we dubbed him Hot Hot Milk Heinrichs. Nice. I'm glad to hear that it's that it stuck. Oh yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> Hot he loves milk it. Heinrichs. Oh, that's Love awesome. Um, I do have another question, Raj. I don't want to step on your on your no, toes No, step, here. step. Ma. Okay, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is like, so this might just be me perceiving this, so you can set me straight if I got this wrong. But like, you seem to be popular to have a lot of popularity, like in the islands, like in Ho- in Hawaii. And Guam, I know you've been out to Guam a couple times, right? And so, first of all, is that true? And second of all, like, if so, like, how how did that, like, Josh Heinrich's, like, Hawaii and Guam connection come about? Um, I, I don't know how popular I am. I have no idea. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I've, been, I've toured Hawaii eight times now. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And, um, it's just... I don't know uh, why the very, very, very first time I went to, it was, it's all about the Jar Roots thing too, man. They, they mm-hmm. really were receptive to Jar Roots on the internet. Uh, Hawaii was. And I, uh, we found out when I was in Jar Roots that they were playing our music on the radio over there. Spliff and my lady that we have a song that was called nice. Spliff and my lady. Yeah. And they were playing the shit out of that. And then uh, I started seeing videos pop up on YouTube of Hawaiian bands covering our songs and I was like, wow. And then I saw some bands from Guam covering our songs. And I was like, damn, that means it's getting out there. And then I don't know if you know that guy, um, Ja Reggae Shop in Guam. And um, I can't remember his name. He's Joe from Gumby the, or no? Uh, no, it's oh. um, he's like a professor. It's a white guy. It's like, he's oh. like a, he has a reggae show in Guam. Oh, in Guam, um, in Guam. Okay, you said in Guam. No, I don't know. No. Okay, well, he he's like a really hardcore roots dude. And uh, he has also has a shop out there. But I cannot remember what his name is. But he would send me a playlist every week for years and years, for like three or four years. And every week he'd be playing a Jar Root song on the radio in Guam. Nice. Yeah. And so anyways, long story short, the very first tour I went to Hawaii in 2009, I think, uh, I went into a bar on my night off. and Me and uh, the Stranger guys. I was with the band Stranger. We were, mm-hmm. I was yep. out there with them. Yeah. And uh we walked into this bar in Kauai. On the, that's a, one of the smaller islands. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we were just having to play an acoustic show there. But we walked into this bar and there's a band jamming of all these Hawaiian teenage kids. And they're fucking jamming my song, bro. Split the Yeah. And I was like, so oh, So did you shit. go talk to them? No. They, as soon as I walked in, they were like, holy shit, Josh Anderson. Come on nice. stage. Come on stage. That's why I went up there and did a verse. Perfect. Yeah. But I was just like, Dope. damn. And then so when I got there. I heard my song on the radio a few times and on the different islands, uh, and still since then, it's it's done. I've played uh, two or three of the major rages and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, when I went to Guam the very first time, there they go bananas for reggae over there, man. And uh, they probably have two or three different channels that are like fully reggae. And uh, besides, also Hawaii does too. I know you guys mm-hmm. know that, yeah. but for the listeners that don't know that, they actually have twenty four seven reggae stations, like like. America has rock stations, but, uh, in Guam, I have never heard, dude, they were playing songs that I didn't, I've like, I couldn't even remember that I recorded. Like, I was like, Holy shit. Like, yeah, they're playing my whole catalog and that's a lot of damn songs. So I was tripping, man. I couldn't believe it. So cool, dude. Yeah. But I don't know if that's because I was just coming there to jam, you know, so they were pumping everybody up. But I mean, I know they, uh, they play it, but I, I, how it happened. I have no idea. I think it's just from, Back in the MySpace days from sending out CDs. And I've also been a big psycho uh, Hawaiian reggae fan. Mm-hmm. And so I was always trying to uh, talk to them, work with them. Ukla the Mock, everybody, yeah. you know. I don't know. I'm also kind of a, 
um, fanboy. So I write to bands and shit. I'm like, you guys are amazing. I love you. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yeah, I don't know bro. if you saw it. Last week we had uh, Leslie Ludiasso, you know, a pot rain band. And yeah, Zion, bro. And Zion Thompson from the Green on and did a cool Hawaiian reggae um, spotlight. Um, what are some of your other, like you mentioned Ukla, that they're, they're like one of my favorite bands too. What are some other Hawaiian groups you love? Um, shit, uh, the green, everybody. That, that's mm-hmm. the coolest story. Is the second time I went to Hawaii, I went with Cass Haley, who's like nice. my brother, and uh, we went out there together because we had just made this album together called Favorites that never got released. But uh, we um went out there, and the green had just released their very first album, uh, with Love Eye and mm-hmm. stuff on there, mm-hmm. yeah. And they were having their CD release party at the Pipeline Cafe, which is a thousand person venue in Honolulu. And uh, they found out we were in Hawaii to do some acoustic gigs. And so they're like, you guys should come to our show and we'll back you up. And you can, we'll play Walking on the Moon for Cass and Spliffin' My Lady for me. And so we went there. It was sold out. And the Green backed us. And we played yes. our two songs at the Green CD release party. <laughs> so that was 2010. So I, I think just shit like that has really helped me get my name out there in Hawaii, especially, you know. But who are my who ba- bands that I love in Hawaii? Uh, all everybody, man. A lot of I think it's really weird in Hawaii how they have like a separation of um, roots and like pop Hawaiian. We talked about that a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, it's all reggae and it's all amazing and beautiful. You know, I know the roots guys, the Rasta guys, hate the pop stuff, but you can't deny good music. So <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> to hear your take on it. Yeah, they were talking about that a lot. If, if people want to go back and hear it. Here's some elaborations on uh, that specific subject. They can go watch our our episode last week because we definitely talked about that, like what you just brought up a lot. Or they can listen to it on all podcast platforms. Please subscribe and review. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's your your job, Josh, to be like, what was that again? And then we say it again. (laughs) TheRegularPodClash.com. What's that podcast? Yeah. (laughs) How can they hear it? (laughs) For like five minutes straight, we just do all that. (laughs) <laughs> you know. Josh, you mentioned that you I mean you have a lot of music you put out. Like give us a, an idea of like how many CDs or albums rather, you know, complete albums or cuz I noticed you put out, you know, some singles like um you know, the Resist that's a single, right? Is that that's what No, it's an EP. Oh, it's an EP. My bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah. But as far as like, you know, and I was on Spotify looking at all and everything. Um, yeah, I have um I probably have like 4 or 5 EPs and probably about mm, 10 to 15 albums with wow, Jaw Roots. Yeah. Wow. I put wow. out five albums with Jaw Roots, and then I think I've put out between five and ten solo albums, and then EPs too. So, yeah. With you, that much music, I, are you? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming you're the primary songwriter. Do yeah, I wrote, you, I wrote every single song. Do you ever? Wow, that's a lot of music. Do you? <laughs> do you? Do you ever have to like find new ways to to, to write music? Does it come natural to you? No, um, um, I never do, man. I and mean, that might be like that might be a, not a good thing, but. <laughs> People might be like, "Did you?" I mean, that's that's a sound. Whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. Hey, thanks, man. That's no, but that's. I think that's. uh, Sometimes I'm like, maybe I should try something new, but at the same time, I think it's that's 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 a style. That's your sound. That's that's what people know you for. Mm -hmm. And you know, Mm -hmm. and if you're doing good, if you're successful, or if people are liking it, then why 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 miss? I I I I get discouraged listening to other bands that do that. They're like, they had a really great first album. And they're like, for the second album, we didn't want to do all reggae this time. We wanted to like incorporate some jazz or some rock. Right. I'm like, what? Like, no, dog, the first album was fucking gold, bro. Like, keep right. doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're so, so right about that. <laughs> so I just, I just, I just stick to me, man, and what works for me. And I, luckily, um, I have a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, and a beautiful life, and I'm just happy. I smoke weed and enjoy myself, and uh, I think that's a really great recipe for always having a, a song on the burner. You know. I think yeah, that's man. such what you just said is such good advice for like a band or artists out there aspiring or whatever. It's like, I think a lot of times when you're in the, when you're in it yourself, right. And you're in that bubble of your own music and your own career, you think like, okay, like people are going to get bored of one thing. So I got to, you know, I got to ch- change it up and give them some variation. But what you don't realize is like, dude, if people get bored, they can go listen to another band. Like you're not the only band people are listening to, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. if you keep that in mind, it's like, be, be like, if you're doing, you know, if you're like Josh Heinrich style reggae, it's like be the Josh Heinrich style reggae in that person's life. You know what I mean? Yep. And they know that like hey, they can always go back. And, you know, if you are personally creatively wanting to do something else like that's, you know, it is what it is. But it's like this this feeling, like this need to switch it up. It's like, don't worry about yeah. other people. Like they'll go listen to another band for a while if they get sick of you. You know what I mean? Do your thing. Oh, that's guaranteed. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I think that's a. Uh... Sorry not to go off subject, but I no. think that's something that a lot of bands need to hear that I wanted to talk about that I didn't, I, I forgot to mention, Please. is that uh, a lot of bands are give me grief all the time, uh, not even bands, but just people all the time, like, dude, you're such an internet nerd, you're always on social media, you're always posting, you're, all, you're always on, and I'm like, bro, you know that you have favorite bands right now, you have a band that you love, that you can sit here and love, like Stevie Wonder or something, but you don't follow them on Instagram. You don't follow them on Facebook because you forgot to. You didn't think about it because it's not fresh in your head. So I just always want to stay fresh. And I always want to just like have something to post. Even if it's a song, that I've, a music video that I've already posted 23 times, I'm going to post it the 24th time because maybe somebody wasn't a fan last week and now they're seeing it for the first time. And I know that's true because I get new sales every single day. And I'm just like, who the fuck is still buying my music that, you know, after 20 <laughs> years? But it's always selling, you know, thank God. But that's what I'm saying is uh, staying consistent, putting out music and not, you know, just do you and, and don't worry about other people, you know. And mm-hmm. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah and you're doing it so natural, too. It's, it doesn't, it's coming, it's so organic, you know. It's not coming from a commercial standpoint where it's like, this is what you need to do for your marketing to be on point and this, this, and that. Like, dude, Josh, everything is just natural. Everything that I've seen and, and your flow of, of the posts on social media and it, it just comes off not too abrasive. I mean, it's informative. Your fans do want you to post that amount of times and whatnot, you know? Yeah, and, well, I hope. <laughs> for sure. Some and that, that, and even the music, <laughs> how you touched on the music earlier, you know, and staying consistent with who you are as a songwriter and everything. That is what builds a loyal, loyal fan base. Not someone yeah. who's here today and gone tomorrow. Not yeah. a one-hit wonder or whatever. It's a loyal fan base. It's going to build longevity for you as an artist. You know, and, and yeah. that's a whole other thing, you know, more artists need to do, too, is like build your find your sound, your, 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 your you know, what your band's about, you know, and yeah. if you're a band band. then what are what's everybody's ingredient? And you create this dish and and own it, you know, and people yeah. will either like it or not, you know, don't yeah. change for them. That's I think uh, I think it's really uh, crucial to be timeless, too. I mean, with the music, I mean, I know people are going to use whatever they want to use for whatever technology is available and stuff. But I mean. I think uh, drums, bass, and guitar, and keys, you know, and timeless instruments are always going to sound timeless. And so uh, I think a lot of people get mixed up in that, you know, or even using crazy lyrics that are so relevant to right now. You know, can you imagine people being like, 
I got my pager, you know, like back in the 90s. It sounds very 90s. I got my pager. Like, I don't know. My whole point is, is I, I think uh, timeless music is also very relevant and to stay timeless with your music and not be caught up in, like you were saying, the Joneses and the other bands and what's everybody else doing. And they got synth pads and they got this shit and they got this effect and they're using this vocal. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just I was in a I was in a studio in 1999 um and we got, we were recording some music that never came out because it was horrible. Um, <laughs> but we got to the studio that day, and the engineer was like, "Hey, you guys, um, we can't do the session today because Eka Mouse is actually coming through." But you guys are like welcome to to stay and like listen to him, like watch his session. So we were like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah!" Well, we'll you know, we were like in high school. We were like, "Oh, we'll stay and watch Eka Mouse," and he had a song called "Cellular Phone," like you know, what you're talking about, about like page, you know, dated lyrical subjects. And this was like, the song was called cellular phone because this was like a big deal that he had a cellular phone yeah. and it was like bad, bad the, the hook was like bad boy. Don't talk business on his cellular phone. And you know, a testament to your point, that song did not become a classic <laughs> <Eagle> mouse tune. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, like I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap it all back up, but that's what I was saying is like, I, I was telling myself, like, I wonder who's still buying my music after 20 years, but it, that goes to say, it's like Bob Marley, like all these guys. They, they, it's timeless. It's always mm-hmm, sound mm-hmm. the same. It's their sound. It's, right. So that's that's what I, that's what my whole point we, was. Is, right. No, it's true. Which is not to say yeah. that there isn't something to be said for a nice topical specific song. You know. You <laughs> yeah, got, like, yeah, Greg, of course. Greg, yeah, Gregory, of course. Gregory Isaacs has that hit. You know, Pawn Me Pager. You know. <laughs> no, but like you think about like. No, but like I've used auto tune. I, I mean, I've done it all too. You know oh, what I'm sure, saying? Sure. I, but it's just it's. You learn, I guess. You have never used auto tune, Josh. You do not <laughs> auto tune. <laughs> I did. I got. I got. Whenever when it first came out, uh, the producer I was working with was he put it on one of the songs, and I was like, "Oh my god, that sounds dope!" Though, so we left it on. <laughs> That's kind of cool, man. I kind of yeah. like like that because, like, okay, so being in L, in like growing up in the reggae scene in L.A., like you would have gotten. I don't know, jumped or something if you used auto tune, and I say that mm-hmm. I'm not like proud of that. It's like there is this. You know, there's a lot of dope things about the L.A. reggae scene. Like, and I, I love it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm always, like, proud to rep the L.A. reggae scene. But it's definitely a very, like, snobby scene. Like, it's into yeah. like, ska and rocksteady and early reggae. And, like, you know, do things the way they did it in, like, old school Jamaican music. And so, like, I've definitely been in, like, because I've never, Expanders never had any auto-tune on anything. Um, and I'm glad we didn't because it forced us to, 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 you know, to really like examine ourselves and like learn how to sing. And, you know, but at the same time, it's like, who knows what we would have like felt free to do creatively if we had like just not had that stigma, you know, and be like, yeah, put some auto tune on that shit. Like, it's, yeah, it's good, you know, like yeah, it is a cool effect sometimes. I'm a big fan <laughs> of like, you know, shit. And like, you know, you listen to like. You know, you can hear it on like Marlon Asher, like Big Up Marlon Asher, like on Ganja Farmer. You know what I mean? It's like it's there not as a crutch; it's there as an effect. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes it exactly. sound cool, and I, I'm a fan of that a lot. You know, I, yeah. I think there's there's a place for that for sure. You there's know? a time and a place for everything. And I'm bro. waiting. You know, if anyone out there wants to like send me a rhythm <laughs> and, and hook up some crazy auto tune, I'm into it. I want to do it. I want to yeah. do it. You know, right what's here. funny is uh, you know the song that has auto tune. It's the song I did with Caleb from the Green. It's called okay. uh, Can't Can't Get High. So check it out. We both have auto tune on our voice for that song, but it's like an effect, not not for right. our voice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it can be used yeah. as, a, as an effect in a cool way. Because it's, it's got like yeah, it's it's drum machines and shit. You know, it's it's right. like more like a newer kind of sounding song. For so. sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Speaking of saying timeless. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, 
You gotta break the rules. Uh, right? <laughs> My own rules. Yeah. Alton Ellis used auto tune, so I'm cool. Uh, yeah. mm, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly did not. Well, Roger. Oh, Nate. Nate from Ayaterra's on. He says, "Dev, I'll boom, auto tune you. Let's go." All right, oh, there it I'm is, holding right? you yes. to it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yes. I, big up yes. Nate. Yeah, big up Nate. He was our uh, what second or third guest or wow, something. Wow, it was or early guest, on I think, for sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, that you, was so much hear? fun. He he was moving. Yeah. I, I got a cool Nate story real fast. Okay, let's hear it. If you got time. Yeah, we uh, have time. We were on tour with Four Piece Band and uh, Fortunate Youth mm-hmm. and Ayatera and me. Right. And uh, one time after a show, I think it was in like New Mexico or something, me and Nate were uh, hanging out after the show. The whole show was over and everybody was packed up and we were getting ready to leave. But before we left, some of the fans were on a building on the rooftop across the street and they were singing my songs to us, you know, like uh, on, uh, from the roof. And uh, so we went up there and jammed with them for like an hour, bro. It was rad. Nice. But Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Me and Nate had a great time. That's, that's good times. That's the dude, that's homie. Yeah, bro. We had a good time. Um, he came here and jammed too, man, with my kids. So it was pretty cool, man. Beautiful. Cesar yeah. Camacho, yeah. big up Cesar. Has a, he says, Josh, what is your go-to barbecue spot in Missouri? Well, oh. you, you wouldn't believe it, but I haven't eaten meat in almost 20 years. And I'm just a fat vegetarian. Lots of carbs. Okay. Well, sorry, Cesar. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, Cesar. That's cool. Dang, you're a, you're a white, anti-racist vegetarian in Springfield, Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, music. I'm about the weirdest dude You here. are broken the mold. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope, dude. Me and my <laughs> wife go through like periods of vegetarianism that's like our that's like our our goal is to be vegetarians and we'll do we even like a couple times we've done it long enough where we're like okay we got it that's it like we did it we're vegetarians now hell no we always go back but one yep. of these days one of these days yep <laughs> teach their own bro yeah that's true well rog what do you think is it time for lightning round yeah lightning round all right i'm well, gonna i'm gonna insert like a music jingle next time we do lightning round well josh Rapid we fire didn't, question we didn't tell you about this uh beforehand but we like to uh we like to end each segment by um asking our guests some quick rapid yes or no questions Uh oh i'm i'm liking what's going on right here josh is on a mission the, i'm liking it ah, my my dogs are uh, barking <laughs> oh okay like you yeah. mean like your feet hurt or like actually your no my actual literal dogs oh, okay, were okay. Oh. <laughs> wanting back inside <laughs> that's good uh, all right well so we're gonna we're gonna shoot some rapid fire questions at you and right. um and the goal here is to like not elaborate you know not to take time just quick like just rapid Boom. fire rapid fire okay rod you can go first pineapple on pizza yes or no yes Devin, <laughs> you, you if, if, they, if they're gonna go quick, I we know, gotta I know. do ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always fuck up. Okay. <laughs> Cornbread or biscuits? Biscuits. Indica or sativa? Uh, indica. I like to get real high. <laughs> now I do want to elaborate. Okay, full full moon or new moon? Uh, full moon. Wow, gotta think about those stars, right though. You gotta think about those stars. Go ahead, brother. Whiskey or tequila? Um, whiskey, I guess. I don't drink hard alcohol, so. Oh, okay, okay, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you drink at all? That's just a, that's um, I did. I, I I was drinking. I did drink for a long time, but I haven't drank in a year. Now I quit drinking. Actually, 
Okay. Because uh, okay. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to lose weight and start running. I used to be a runner, and I wanted to run again and shit. And so I was like, I'm gonna quit drinking for a while, and I just haven't picked it up since then. So. All right. Nice. Well, good for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Nelson or Millhouse? <laughs> uh, Nelson. I'm All right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, texting or talking? Uh, texting. I don't like to get myself involved too deep in a conversation sometimes. There you go. <laughs> okay, I do have to preface this next question because I'm only asking it because I know we're all like the same age. So we'll see if we'll see if see how this goes. My buddy or Teddy Ruxpin? Uh, Teddy Ruxpin, I have one. Yes. Dang. Right. Beautiful. I would have threw in the wrestling buddy too. You guys remember wrestling? I buddies? had that. The wrestling pillow. Yeah. Yeah. I had the oh, ultimate warrior. Damn. The Ultimate Warrior. Oh, damn. Yep. I haven't Biasi. thought of that in 25 years. Telling <laughs> you, man. Wrestling buddies. Yep. <laughs> what is wow. so bad? I'll get you a wrestling years. buddy. Christmas, Devin. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll get I'm you both a wrestling it. buddies. Josh, you're getting a wrestling buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like, Devin, you're getting a wrestling buddy. That's like what, what we get our guests that come on the show. Okay, I think wrestling we got a couple buddies. more, right? Raj, go ahead. Well, I got one more. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Josh. Hey. <laughs> that's my oh, son. Oh, crack it? Is that hot milk? Hot milk That's Austin. Yes. He's driving now. He's got his own Dang. car. You know? It's crazy. <laughs> so, you know, vegetarian, no drinking, but I'm hoping you do eat cereal. What's your favorite cereal? Oh, uh, frosted um, wheats. What are they called? Yeah, frosted yeah. mini shredded mini wheats. wheats. Mini wheats. Yeah, mini wheats. frosted mini yeah. wheats. Yeah, I'm still eating <laughs> well, those those are good. cereal. I'm a bad boy. Okay, so it's my, my turn for the last one. Okay, so I'm going to do a reggae question. And I know this is hard, but I feel like these are kind of polar opposites. Okay, Burning polar. Spear, and you. By the way, you can see I redecorated. I got all Burning Spear behind me today. Burning wow. Spear or Dennis Brown? Oh, I'm a big Dennis Brown dude uh, as a singer. Yeah, you know? I thought see, that's why I, I, I picked those Burning two. Spear. There's no wrong answer there, huh? It's just, no, I just thought, <laughs> that's wow. why I picked those two for Josh because right. it's like Burning Spear is you know, like Message. we're not talking about the quality of like people's music or anything, mm-hmm, but like. Mm-hmm. Burning Spear, you know, it's like he's got a voice. He's not necessarily mm-hmm. like a singer's singer, right? Dennis Brown is like arguably the best voice in Jamaican music, you know, like, in terms of a right? singer and sing any song. He could sing Mary Had a Little Lamb, you know, and you're like, damn. Like, yeah. yeah. Dennis Emmanuel Brown. Yep. Yes, sir. Mary Had a Little <laughs> Lamb. <laughs> well, I, think yeah, that's all. I, I don't have any more. Do you have. You, you, the... I do. I mean, you know, Care Bears or Pound Puppies? <laughs> oh, no. Pound Puppies. Go. I had a Pound Puppy. <laughs> I oh had a bunch my of pound gosh! Puppies. Pound it. Me and me and yeah. John Butcher from the Expanders. You know, we grew up together, and his he, they just had like pound puppies at their house. Like, oh yeah, they like pound puppies. I'll tell about the pounds. Like, all right, yeah. Dude. So I had a bunch of questions like that, just because, like, you know, I like uh-huh. I like questions. I like when like we have like someone on our age, and you can like ask those throwback questions. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, oh jeez. Well, see now <laughs> yes, all those pound puppies at Butcher's house are worth millions. millions. <laughs> Go on eBay and sell all those things. Like yeah. me and my Beanie Baby collection. I'll sell them one day. Oh, yeah. Dang. No, we were too old for Beanie Babies, I think. Uh, no. yeah, we were. Well, I used to, that was my first job at McDonald's when I was like 15 <laughs> or 16. And they came out with all those damn Beanie Babies. And people used to come up there and go ape shit and get mad at me if we didn't have them. Oh, oh, no, oh dude. <laughs> that I was can my only experience. Imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine. I want the uh, rainbow beanie. Yeah. They come old back around. Get mad. They yeah. come back through and they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, right. You gave me the, you the yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Well, man. Josh, hey, thank you so much for coming on, man. Really, yeah. um, you know, yeah, like man. miss you. Can't wait till this quarantine is over. We didn't even ask you any quarantine questions. 
next time we'll have to ask you when this is all over i'll have you back on and ask how this whole thing went for you but you know when this is over we you know i can't wait to like come and you know hit me up if you're in la you can crash at my house like <laughs> the time on. someone put josh up at their house come over here nice. get the thank you brother thank you <laughs> yeah for sure dude you're, you're you're the real deal and like Devin said we've been wanting to get you on the show for a while and thank you for being on the show and oh, continue yeah. being you, dude. Shit, uh, Seth is saying that before we end, we got to do a freeze frame. So this is something that Kyle from Slightly Stupid, oh yeah, uh, made up. So like, I don't know, I take a drink of your water or something, but we're just gonna do a freeze. Okay, Wait, ready? Freeze. One, two, three. <laughs> Yay! Oh, it's, 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 it's like it's like Nardward. Is it? You guys know who Nardward is? He's like no. some dude. Okay, never mind. That's a whole other conversation. Who's Nardward. Nardward. I'm gonna send you a link. It's some dude that does interviews and he's on YouTube. But at the end, he does the same thing. He likes to ask okay. everyone pause. But he'll go till like the guest, like <laughs> what 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 their maximum is as far as pausing. Yeah, I don't I don't have that like uh, trolling vein in me. Yeah, like, I don't. Yeah, you know, we're not that, like. Yet. Let's make this as awkward as possible. Yeah. Right. I get uncomfortable too fast. Well, Josh, well, just real quick before we let you go, man, like you want to tell the people like how they can support you best right now, like what your latest thing out is or, or what's, you know, where people can go to check out new Josh or just to support you in general. Yeah, uh, just, you know, um, listen to my music on Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. We just had a new album come out right uh, in February called Resist and it's an yep. EP and uh, it's got Natalie Rise, Bobby Hustle and uh, Article nice. Sound System. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, if you want to, uh, yeah, that's the best way to support me, man. Just go listen to my music. Beautiful. Dope. Yeah. All right, Josh. Great talking yep. to you, man. Thank you, yeah, guys. Josh. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. We'll, we'll talk see to you, you. We'll see, see you, brother. sooner than later, hopefully. Yeah. All right, man. All right, dude. Peace. Peace. All right. Yeah, Devin. That was the great Josh Heinrichs. Yeah, amazing was, cat. I know, man. It's so fun. Really dope, dude. Josh. And I just like, I know we keep saying this like each week, but... Just every time I have someone on that, like I know, like a friend that I miss or whatever, it just makes me miss like music so much. It makes me miss like touring and right. I never thought I would miss touring, but I do. I do miss it. It becomes more and more. You know, I think we go through cycles, right? We're like, oh, we're gonna be on the road again pretty soon, and then you, and then you get like, oh no, yeah, yeah. I may not tour for so long, and then you go like, stop it. You're gonna be back on the road before you know it, and then you go, I don't know about that. So exactly. <laughs> see what happens. Well, yeah, I miss the road too. Me too, man. And you know, before we um before we before too many people drop off here now that Josh yeah, is gone, we want to tell everybody about a very special guest we have next week that we're super, super stoked about. Mr. Vin Gordon. Vin Gordon, if you don't know, is the trombone player from Jamaica in reggae. In reggae music starting in nineteen sixty nine, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. If you hear trombone in reggae, it's almost definitely Vin Gordon. Right. And he is um, he's a hero of both Roger and I, you know, foundation Jamaican musician, and uh, he's going to be on the show next week. So, you know, whether you know of him or whether, you know, whether you if you don't, if you're just a fan of reggae music, you're going to want to tune in next week because um, it's, you know, it's rare that we get a chance to talk to somebody uh, like Vin who has the kind of stories that he's going to have, you know. So please tune in next week for Mr. Vin Gordon. Major, major ingredient in Jamaican music. Uh, his nickname is Don Drummond Jr. So mm-hmm. as far as trombone and Jamaican music, you're either talking Don Drummond, Rico Rodriguez, or Vin Gordon. That's right. Sorry if I missed anybody. but Yeah, and I left out Rico in my uh, sense. Because, you know, Don Drummond, obviously, we'll talk about this a little bit next week, but he'll, yeah. you know, he was in ska, and then he, he you know, wasn't, by the time reggae came along, Don Drummond was no longer 
uh, right. with us. So, I mean, you know, it's like really Vin Gordon and yeah, Rico Rodriguez were the, the trombone players you would hear. Don, yeah, and, and, and Vin, Vin more so because I know yeah. Rico... I kind of took like a little, you know, detour in his in, in his uh, professional career. Like, for whatever reason, man, all those recordings you hear, Vin is the man, mm-hmm. and wow, he just defined defined it. So I'm I'm gonna be, I'm stoked for that one for sure. Yeah, man. yeah, you can go look go look him up this week. You know, you can like if you look up if you list uh, if you just look up Sound Dimension, research Sound Dimension. If you hear horns, that'll be Vin Gordon. But if you actually just look up Vin Gordon, he's just you know got a lot of instrumental trombone style like dark minor chord rootsy stuff from the mid 70s um what's I'm also, on the name what's the what's the studio one tune that's vin gordon that's like hmm. blood red blood i think expanders used to do it i don't know if that's Ooh, the actual okay, name of okay. it but it's, yeah it's um oh i'm blanking on it so hard expanders used to cover it all the time but it's you like some of these tunes you'll just notice they were hits in and of themselves and instrumentals we, we must add that this is a special uh show we're going to be f- going live at right. noon Mr. Vin Thank Gordon is he lives in Paris. So that's pretty dope, first yeah. off. Right. But, you know, he's we want to make sure he's not like doing this at four in the morning. So, you know, we definitely can conform to, and, and change the time up a little bit. So anyone that's and we're gonna be advertising this throughout the week, so we'll we'll just be reiterating it over and over. But yeah. we're gonna be going on it's gonna be noon, twelve o'clock uh PT time. And that would be three o'clock for you ET cats and uh and Yeah. Nine, 9 p.m. in Paris. That's why we're doing it. So 9 p.m. in up, Paris. As Roger yeah. said, so we don't make uh, you know, Mr. Vin Gordon get up at four in the morning. Yes. Um, that's that's a crazy Yeah, so next week Reggae Pod Clash will be live at noon Pacific time with Vin Gordon. Um and so, you know, real quick, Raj, uh, as yeah, always, we'd like to, you know, I'd like to ask you what you got going on this week. How can people check you out before oh, if they can't wait know, a whole week to see you? Oh yeah, exactly. Uh could scope me out on livelessonmasters.com. Uh go check that out. You can you know, book some time with me and uh, get to show you some cool things, you know. I got a whole list of stuff that um I'm offering as far as uh you know, getting on a Zoom meeting and whatnot, you know, whether it's production, whether it's uh keyboard playing, um Jamaican history, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh also did some music, new music with uh, Agent J from the Slackers. He's yeah. a, AKA is a crazy bald head mm-hmm. so go check him out go support him right now musicians you know we usually be making money while, while touring or merchandise and these are the realities no one's making money off spotify when you go and listen to an artist on spotify it's like for whatever reason you know a lot of it's not going back in the musician's pocket so things like Bandcamp is really important if you want to support an artist um and i know they run special deals where they don't take their percentage or commission whatever so yeah uh, Devin, how was the songbook? Did you have some songbook sessions? Did you already rock it? With um, oh, I think you're talking about like backstage music lessons, right? Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's what. Yeah, I meant. Yeah, yeah. So no, I did my first uh, lesson this last Monday, and we're gonna continue to do. Uh, so I met a really, really nice uh, fellow who wants to take some, nice. uh, do some like songwriting sessions, which is dope, you know. So Dude. if anyone's interested in like, um, and some other people hit me up after we mentioned it last week, but. Mm-hmm. If anyone's interested in like writing, like, you know, working on songwriting, uh, working on vocals, working on harmonies, working on like reggae, guitar, um, go to backstagemusiclessons.com. You'll find me there and we can do we can do some lessons because as Roger said, you know, musicians make their money from touring. And, and right now, uh, you know, we got to figure out other ways to do it. And just the money part aside, it's like 
we would just want to like be playing music again and like talking to people about music. And I miss like meeting people at shows, you know? So like this lot, the session I did on Monday, it was just like us, you know, me and the, um, uh, and the, the guy we're going to do some lessons with just getting to know each other at the little hangout session. And it was great. It was just like, wow. Like just getting to meet somebody through music again, you know, it's like one right. of the things I really miss, um, in this time that we're in. And you know, other than that, every Tuesday I do my songbook sessions where you could just tune in, uh, net slash TV and listen to me uh, sing some songs, which is what I really like to do. Nice. And then, you know, go follow me on Twitch. My handle is man like Devin because I'm just trying to accumulate some followers and do a DJ party over there and spin some of these records behind me yeah. for longer than five minutes before Instagram kicks me off. <laughs> um, so, you know, follow me on Twitch. And uh, I haven't uh, checked lately if people have been following me, but uh, uh, we're going to do a reggae pod clash DJ night uh, sometime, sometime in the next couple months. Roger and I have talked about this. Yeah, um, it'll be fun. On Twitch, we're going to do it. So um, that's what's happening. And in the meantime, you know, you can email us at theregepodclash at gmail.com. Go check out the website, theregepodclash.com. It's where you can go listen to the tunes of the next week's upcoming tune of the week. You can go hear it, plus another playlist that we put up. Um, you know, we're just trying to... One of our goals in this show is, is just trying to share our love for Jamaican music with people. So you can always go to theregepodclash.com and each week you'll hear a refreshed playlist of 10 new, new in the sense that they weren't there last week tunes. Uh, they're almost always going to be old school Jamaican songs that Roger and I are into. Um, and it's cool because, you know, not only you hear some cool music, but you can hear the tunes that we're going to talk about the following week. So maybe you can come with your own questions um, hearing those and um yeah i think that's it man like we said that next saturday we're going live at noon pacific time to accommodate our legendary guest mr vin gordon yes and, get all uh, your questions ready people yes. please uh you know we have he's an og you know how many ogs do we have left so get your questions ready and it's gonna be a really really cool show 12 o'clock noon yes yes all right um very special thanks to our guest uh josh heinrichs um and up. please go buy his music and buy his merch and go follow him on Instagram. <laughs> he lost some followers. <laughs> he needs some new followers. Go follow him on Instagram. Go, go support. And um, uh, Raj, good to see Dev, you as always. Great seeing you, man. And um, I will see you next week, bro. Later days, Dev. Later right. days, everyone. Later. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.